0: Hello and welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Sandra Lewin and I am your host. I'm on a mission to make insurance a career choice, not a chance. Together with my amazing guests, we are sharing our career stories, tips, and insights into work life and insurance in hope to inspire diverse talent to join and remain within the industry. The insurance profession is changing, so it couldn't be a better time to showcase the fantastic women across the insurance market. Let's jump into today's episode. Zoe, welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. I am very, very happy you're here. Um, For
1: those who don't know you, please introduce yourself. So, my name's Zoe um, Parsons. Um, I'm the marketing manager at Reg Technologies, which is, in essence, a regulatory compliance firm that automates your trading legal and um, regulatory requirements. Yeah. Yeah for regula- regulated businesses. Amazing. And I
0: was really impressed when I met you um, because the journey we're going to talk about here and sort of the, the, I was explaining actually to someone yesterday that I'm very excited to record with you. And I was oh. just saying, I really want to get behind your mind.
1: <laughs> Which sounds horrible, but,
0: <laughs> but you know, like I want to get in there because you've, you did a, well, we're going to go into it in a minute, but basically your journey into insurance, I find it very interesting and I think very inspiring for not only those starting in insurance, mm-hmm. but actually for many of us who've been here quite a while, um, that's what I mean, what happened and how did you get there? But this is a spoil. I don't want to spoil it, so so let's get into it. Career choice, um, career and insurance, choice or a chance?
1: It was a chance, if I'm brutally honest. Um, if you want me to go into kind of extreme detail (laughs) when I was in my second year of university I did a four-year course um, in international business and in the third year you have to take on a placement year Mm -hmm. so that either involves studying abroad at a partner university or taking on a placement year Mm -hmm. like an industry so originally I was meant to study in California for a year um, and then COVID hit. So mm. it wasn't a possibility. So then I was trying to look for placement opportunities. Um, you know, it wasn't going very well because everyone who wanted to do a placement had already done that and they'd already got their foot in the door and secured those mm. those roles. So really, I have to kind of thank LinkedIn because mm-hmm. on a whim, a friend of a friend um, posted to their network who had loads of different followers um, that I was looking for a placement opportunity. Um, and luckily, um, my boss now, um, reached out to me and say, to say he was interested in having a conversation and, you know, to see what I was looking for. So that's really how I landed a job here, um, through LinkedIn. Um, yeah, completely kind of organically. So I have to really praise LinkedIn for that. And I think one thing, if anyone's going to take away anything from this is really build your brand on LinkedIn and you know, connect with people that you think can open doors for you in the future. Because I think there's so many opportunities on LinkedIn.
0: That's so powerful. I, I, so I didn't know that part, mm. actually. That's so powerful. Yeah. That that's how it happened. And actually putting yourself out there and going, hey, I'm looking for something. And the power of connection is, you know, it was just, it took one person yeah. to see. Have you ever asked your boss, like, why did he reach out or how
1: How did this... He was interesting and he was, well, he needed to fill the space. Um, He was looking for somebody and he thought, I'm going to take a chance and just, you know, have a conversation, see what she's looking for. And then from that, um, I was an intern at the company for a year, like on the placement year. Um, I worked with an agency, like a marketing agency as well. We outsourced at the time. Um, So I worked alongside them to kind of manage the marketing department. Mm -hmm. I then went back to university to study my final year. Um, and get my degree and because I guess my company thought that the whole process went really well following that they also um, then got two other interns from the same uni for the next year when I went back to uni so it was a really good partnership with the uni and our company and invested into young people so yeah.
0: So not only it was a great journey for you because just to play it back you basically took a year out worked um, At at REG and then you went back to uni and then you came back to your current role. Yeah. But also you opened an opportunity for other people to to get the internships. So you, you know, it's not only a journey for you, but you've actually opened a journey for so many other people. And it's so typical because I was attending yesterday at I Win event, which is the 10th anniversary, and the opening line was if each person in this room was to open a door for the next person, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, imagine how much change we could do. You've opened quite amazing doors (laughs) for quite a few people, just like within the,
1: not even starting fully in the industry. So incredible. Yeah, it works really well. I think the partnership with our company and the university, like you said, it did open doors for two other people to come and experience a year in insurance and, you know, see what the professional world's about. So yeah.
0: That's amazing. So the thing that really struck me about is you did the internship and then you went back to uni mm-hmm. and your current role is a marketing manager, right? So incredible and one yes amazing to your boss and as well to the company but actually to you and this is the part that I'm very interested in for many people starting in the industry there's this stigma about being too young or Mm -hmm. being afraid to actually take on a role take on accountability how did you feel when you found out that you're actually going to be running the marketing
1: it was it was quite a shock um you know I think Without bigging myself up, because I hate crediting my own No,
0: you should should. um, Hang on, hang on. (laughs) Let's pause on this, right? Let's pause on this. Stereotypically, this is a thing, the way women do it. We go, oh, I don't want to say, own it. Come on. It was you behind it.
1: (laughs) Okay. um, Yeah. No, so I guess, I guess um, during my time as an intern, I think, you know, my boss and the company were impressed with the work I did Mm. and how I worked with the agency to kind of, um, the marketing department so yeah um coming back I was given the opportunity to come back and manage the department by myself and we've now grown a team and yeah I think you know I I know we're going to touch on it later but I think um at the beginning it's quite overwhelming Mm -hmm. because as much as I did have quite a lot of empowerment and responsibility when I was an intern I think coming back and being like wow like you know, this is my job now. Like, yeah. you know, I have so many responsibilities. I think it is overwhelming as a young person sometimes. Mm. And you have those feelings of, am I going to be able to do it? Is somebody who's 10 years older going to be better placed mm. than me? You know, why didn't they get somebody that, you know, did have 10 more years of experience behind them and then I could have worked alongside them. So mm. I think it's great because I think empower, I think being empowered and being given that opportunity in the first place gives you that drive to want to do well as well. Yeah, But it is also quite overwhelming and... Just, just thinking like, wow, like you know, these are my responsibilities now, and yeah, incredible.
0: And and it is, you know, it is, it does show the work that you bring, and obviously the the perspective that you bring, and and your working ethos, I'm sure. Um, but as well, it's incredible for a company to kind of think up outside of a box I'll say right and 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 thinking let's trust the ideas let's trust the the journey that we're on which is which is great and you have achieved so much so you've built a team
1: now as well yeah so um it's it's me we've got um my marketing executive as well Mm -hmm. um Charlie um and we probably will look to grow the team further and you know we might outsource some parts and things like that um but yeah I think it's a lot different having to manage somebody um but yeah, it's a, whole, it's a whole different ballpark, I think. But it's it's exciting. You know, you learn every day. Um, yeah. There's so many things to do all the time. And I think having such a small department as well, you're never bored. You've always got to be doing mm. 100 things at once. And, you know, and that's what I enjoy. I enjoy. I don't want to not be busy, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do you... I often kind of ask uh, people, people say that they, you know, you keep on going, especially when you get a job, um, you know, you have responsibilities and stuff. You just keep on working and then you never really stop and think, what have I achieved? What have I done? Do you ever do that? Do you ever
1: reflect on, you know, where were you and where are you now? Recently, I've been trying to do that because mm. people tell me I should. Um mm. I, I think it falls into the imposter syndrome part. I think mm. I had massive Massive um, kind of feelings of imposter syndrome at the beginning from either, you know, how my peers might have perceived Mm. me or from family, outsiders, you know, just acquaintances, whatever. I think people do make comments, um, which kind of fuels into that anxiety and pressure of, oh you know am I too young to be here Mm. you know am I actually deserving of this Mm. am I actually doing enough am I doing well enough um but I think recently I've tried to turn that into more motivation so instead of the anxiety and the fear if I feel like that then I think actually see that as a chance to motivate myself to do better and just sometimes reflect and think okay here yeah like you said here I was five months ago where am I now what have I achieved and I attended a talk once on imposter syndrome and The panelists were all CEOs, um, Mm a mixture of men and women, um, both had really, really successful career paths. And I think it was quite interesting because all of them said that to that day, even though they've achieved so much and they've been in that position for so long, they still feel imposter syndrome every single day of their lives. And I think one of the women said, so what she does is at the end of every day, she'll sit there and she'll write three things that she's achieved that day. And then she'll take a step back and think, actually, I do deserve to be here. Mm. And I think everyone can always be better, you know, so there's always going to be someone yeah. that's better than you. You're always going to be learning. But I think imposter syndrome, in my eyes, it just shows you care. Yeah. I also think like yeah. oh, if you didn't mm. feel like that, then do you actually care? That's I see what you like mean. another shift of the mindset. I, I see what you mean. And and it's so,
0: the thing that comes to my mind. I have an unpopular opinion, opinion mm. is that if you're in a relationship and you never argue, do you care? Um, and it's... And I know some people would argue, like you know, they're in relationships and they never care. But in my mind, the reason often you struggle with something is because you are getting yourself out of comfort zone. You're mm-hmm. trying to find, you're trying to compromise. You're trying to create boundaries. Try to There's, challenge yourself and that's you think, it. You know, can I do that? Am I capable? Which I can. I like how you say the imposter syndrome. Like, do you actually? care because someone else I often get asked oh when you speak um you know on a podcast or public or whatever you probably don't ever get scared and like you saw me (laughs) I need to take 10 breaths in really you know so it's not but I think it's very different I'm not if I think 10 years back I would be literally petrified sweating and just struggling to speak now I just need to calm myself down Mm -hmm. and off I go so I've developed that tool to be like, okay, hang out, imposter syndrome coming in or stress, nervousness and anxieties coming in. These are my tools, so let's go. Um, where I guess there's a point where you're not
1: realizing and you don't know about it. But I really like that, imposter syndrome. Yeah, well, you're challenging yourself, Yeah, and you right? feel like that because you care, because you, yeah. want, you want the podcast to go well. You want that event to go well. That's why you feel like that. So see, that as motivation mm. and no one's perfect. No. I, I hate being sentimental, but I've tried to be more like that recently.
0: Yeah. Wait, is it sentimental? And I don't know uh, if that's the right word. Yeah. But. No, no. I'm just thinking. I think it's a it's a good good point because it could feel a bit sentimental, like what the lady said, writing free things down, like this gratitude. Um, I mean, credit I'm, your own successes, sort of yeah. thing. You know, just say pat on the back. I actually, did that. I mean, I have about three or four gratitude journals, and I like, <laughs> just never managed to do a daily. No, journaling isn't my thing. I think, I
1: think <laughs> but you could take that and you know just. Take time, take five minutes of your day to reflect, you know, what went well that day. Yeah. What could have I done better? And I smashed that. Yeah. What, what do you do then? What have you been doing? In a I kind sp- of reflect in that way, just in mm. my head to myself sometimes. I'm not a journal. I, 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 don't, I don't write in journals. I don't write diaries. That kind of mechanism doesn't, doesn't really work for me. So I think just taking the time to just reflect and think, okay, I actually did that. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Telling one of your close friends, or your family mm. members, like, guess what I did today? Yeah. And hopefully there is applauding a bit as you <laughs> someone goes yeah you did it yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that's
0: a. I I um I often think back to the point where I had a, uh, I would go into a big meetings and you know there's the whole thing there was actually a lot of meetings where there'll be a big board meeting table but it wouldn't fit everyone. So there were always benches around. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would always sit at the bench because I'm like, I'm junior. Obviously I'm not going to sit. There's senior people in the room. They're going to sit at the board. And I remember one of the sort of managers coming up to me and was like, why would you never sit at the board meeting table? And there'll be colleagues. There will be male colleagues, but it maybe just happened by chance. uh, You know, who would be like right there, sitting mm. next to a CEO or the director. They'll be there owning the space, you know, going for it. And I'm there like on the bench. Obviously, my place is on the bench. And it felt so awkward sitting at that table. Um, but then I went through this whole process of always reminding myself, well, I got invited to the room. So obviously, someone thought, mm-hmm. I'm bringing something. So let's think, what am I bringing?
1: Uh, and over time, you got you get used to it, isn't it? Definitely, I think. You know, I, I had similar reservations as mm. well when I got put on the management team. Um, going into those meetings, into the leadership meetings, sometimes I thought, you know, do I deserve to be here? Am mm. I bringing as much as everybody else? You know, am I capable of this? But I think you're so right. You wouldn't have been put in that position if somebody didn't think you were capable. So just go in there and own it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that. So, okay. So the imposter syndrome, like, actually it's a positive because that means yeah. you care and you're challenging yourself. So like, enjoy
1: it in a weird way. Yeah, that's how I'm to frame it now. And I think imposter syndrome is linked, I think, with anxiety as well, just on a day-to-day basis and fear. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people might have certain fears around certain events or whatever they might be doing in life. So I think even then, you're only feeling like that because you care. Yeah. Because – and just motivate yourself, challenge yourself, and just, you know, no one's perfect. So no, it doesn't matter if you make a mistake. It doesn't matter if, you know, you slip up doing a presentation because – Just keep going. Yeah, that like you can't you can't be perfect.
0: <laughs> no, and my my go to thing is sometimes if I'm not feeling hundred percent, like put on the good music on your headphones. And you, if you ever see me walking to work and like most days, you just see me like bouncing along to a song, and I look I must look very weird. I do hope people don't recognize me. <laughs> Coming in today, I put my headphones in
1: too, and I was getting, getting in the mood
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and you can do that before big meeting and everything like that, right? Yeah. put on some motivational.
1: Boss, lady, whatever. Song, yeah, and you know. I think don't don't think about the worst case scenario because I think that's what I used to do. I used to kind of rationalise the situation in my head and think, oh my god, but that might happen. That might happen. Mm. That might happen. What if this happens? So I think instead of thinking of the worst case scenarios, don't even don't even think like that as
0: well. It's so so interesting. I always say if I've spent half the time that I spend worrying mm-hmm. and thinking how good it could go, uh, just you know, success will be all the way
1: there. So, yeah, I like that. I don't just stop worrying or No, either. Flip it I'm on not the saying I don't <laughs> worry and I don't get imposter syndrome on a day-to-day no. basis, but I think yeah, just turning it into something positive. I like that. I really like that. Well, you know, one of the things that I was also
0: really impressed is what you've started uh, at your company is DNI events and is not a natural shift, right? And and for the business, you would think the business would want to do kind of different type of events, but actually you saw a purpose and you saw a gap there. Talk to me a little bit more, why why did you make that decision and kind of how did you pitch that and, and how has it been
1: going? Yeah, so I think I, I've always been an advocate of D&I. I think every company, every person should be invested into empowering everybody mm-hmm. regardless of their background gender race etc so I think having events like this is so important especially in a market and this isn't me you mm-hmm. know trying to downplay the insurance market but I think especially in a market that is historically quite archaic in their views mm-hmm. I think it's got a lot more modern recently you know there mm-hmm. are great initiatives across the whole market that everybody yeah. seems to be getting on board with but I do think historically mm-hmm. if you compare it to other industries we're not as as far there yet yeah to be promoting stuff like that. So I think I saw a gap not not just to promote the company because I don't think you should do these events to promote your company. Mm. I think you should do these events because you genuinely care. Yeah. So I think if the whole company and the whole organization has these values embedded into their culture, then all you're really doing is projecting that mm. and you're trying to get everybody else on board and raise awareness for certain certain things. So I think it was just really key that, you know, we we got out there and we kind of Raised awareness on different DNI topics. So I think the first one we did was on young people, because mm-hmm. that obviously, as you know, is quite a challenge. I think you obviously have the the women levels in insurance is yeah. you know it's not on par with males. But I think the young, the younger generation as well. I think there's a big problem there, mm-hmm. and it's like you said, attracting that younger generation into the market. So that's really what the whole event was on. It was how can we attract younger people into the market? Is it mm-hmm. through education? Is it through empowerment? Is it through training? You know, how how do we get to that point? How do we retain them? You know, why aren't young people interested in insurance? You know, maybe is it because it's marketed as quite a boring, Mm. you know, just whatever industry. So I think that was really key. I think that was really powerful. We had the interns that came from our uni on that panel, which I think gave a lot of insight as well, because Mm. you can see their journey. Um, We've done one around like the future of technology, um, which is a little bit different. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily fall into diversity and inclusion, but I think it does go around onto kind of the ESG kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, Because I think, you know, technology is really powerful. I think there's loads of amazing um, opportunities the market has to kind of embrace that. Um, And then we did a third one on women, obviously, women insurance, which was, I think, a really powerful um, event. I think the women that spoke on the panel were really open in their opinions, their views, their insights um, and experiences. They gave a lot of advice to companies, to Mm -hmm. peers of how, you know, we don't discriminate against women. How we can empower them, how we can retain them—that um, was really powerful. And then the most recent one we did was on um, men's mental health, um, mm-hmm. because I think, you know, just personally and from experiences, I think it's a mental health itself is a is a massive, significant mm. issue um, across the board. But I think specifically, you have problems for women, right? And yeah. I think the women the women problems stem from discrimination and and things like that but I think a struggle that men face and I'm not saying all men um the same way I'm not going to say all women Mm. um is with the stigma attached around mental health I think both Mm. men and women face their own different challenges right as genders but I think specifically for men I think the stigma attached around you know speaking out about your mental health problems trying to seek support I think especially in a workplace and this isn't just insurance it's so stigmatized yes and yeah so I think that event was was extremely powerful I just think it's important that We do do so much to talk about these issues and just it is awareness at the end of the day, we can't, we can't change the world. Mm. But I think the more people get on board with talking about these problems, the more people that come forward and share their experiences, the more it might help one person, it Mm. might make one company change, you know, their values at an organization and, you know, what sort of staff they're employing, you know, what training they have for people, what programs they have to support, you know, different kind of sectors in, in the world, I think, yeah i just think it's a really powerful thing to do yeah to do. and
0: and i really like the ethos as to why you're doing it and why the organisation is doing it i think it's it comes from the right angle which is you know let's let's work together let's embrace it together and actually showcasing the culture of the business mm-hmm. um rather than sort of thinking what's our selling angle here yeah um, no of course which is which is really really important and as well is not um uh, cause, cause I think the challenge is we talk a lot, we don't do enough. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's just another way of making sure that the things are moving along and role playing is so not role playing role. Um, having, uh, role models is so important. Uh, and sharing those stories certainly seems to be a very
1: impactful way to make change massively and just get people listening and Mm. people that necessarily didn't know there was a problem in the first place yeah it's educated people and Mm. it's raising awareness and then hopefully the ideas that are brought to these sessions can then be embedded Mm. across people's lives or in organizations because i think one thing that companies worldwide do that you know doesn't really necessarily work it's the whole box ticking you know something happens it's like we just throw a post out there and say we support it and okay that's great in some ways but you've got to be doing something else as well Mm. you can't just you've got to practice what you preach right yeah at the end of the day so I think if you genuinely believe in these initiatives do something about it and I think it can come in many forms I mean you know there's so many great initiatives out there for so many different things and you don't have to just be doing panel events and speaking and things Mm. like that there's other things you can be doing but I think don't just box tick and put something on social media saying you support a specific day, but not actually have anything behind you to back it up, to say that you actually do something about it.
0: That's so powerful. And actually people see right through it these mm-hmm. days, right? If if you are really the only time you're posting something or, or seem to be taking a stand, but not actually doing anything about it on the day, it's people see right through that. And it can actually be now damaging to mm-hmm. a right? So... You're better off not posting, actually, if you're generally not yeah. doing something.
1: Um, you can't support you every single no. special awareness day. You can't. No. Like, it's impossible. So I think, think about what matters to you. Think about what matters to the organization mm. and really focus on actually doing something in that space and doing something about it. That's a really good advice, actually.
0: Yeah, focus on... Because if each and one of us focuses on an area, yeah. then collectively we we'll still make a change. But yeah, if you're trying to do it all... Oh, you're trying to do really, it all
1: and it's just you know half a job bang yeah. something out just to say we support it it doesn't have it doesn't have an impact at the end of the day and mm. no change happens and I also think you shouldn't just hold events into initiatives just to align with specific awareness days mm. as well I think that it doesn't have to be We we did our event to coincide with um November. Mm-hmm. um but that was kind of the only event that did coincide with an awareness month right. the other ones we did weren't to support a particular mm-hmm. month it was because we generally think this is an issue and we generally think that mm. we should be talking about it so I think don't just do something because there is a month dedicated to it or a day you've, you've got to keep doing that yeah because yeah. again it, it just falls into the oh, I've done it now so I don't need to think about it do you actually care so I think if you're going to do something, practice what you preach and embed it into the organisation, and really, really, really drill into that, mm. and go on a continuous like learning path and preaching path. I think.
0: Yeah, and I think that would um, one of the things I find interesting. So apart from you organising events, you you put out um, blogs as well, and I always find them very uh, interesting. And funny enough, most of the time when I do any research on like women and insurance, your blogs just always top ratings yeah (laughs) yeah literally because all the the kind of well you have so many statistics in there and you have so many actually great facts that no matter what question I kind of try and google like you pop up and I'm like brilliant great (laughs) um and one of the things that really stood out for me um there was a there was a statistic from is from 2022 but still I, I think I think it really gives a picture of what's going on in the market at the moment when it comes to female talent. So 66% of workers employed in entry roles are female. However, women only made up 29% of senior executive position and 8% of the broking CEO positions. So you can see, I mean, this is, you know, a, a stat taken out of a certain report, etc. but the trend I feel like is the same. So we're actually quite good in attract. The like there's been so much work done. So we are actually doing okay on attracting female mm-hmm. talent. Then we are kind of starting to drop when it comes to senior management. And by the time we get to CEOs, it's like, it's gone. Mm-hmm. The whole talent is gone. And I often talk about that retention piece and that, um, actually you touched on it, the culture in your view, kind of having read a lot of reports and created blogs and have organized events, what, what can organisations do better in order to ensure that that um, you know the, the the line doesn't go down? It, it starts to kind of stay
1: stable or, or at least not drop. Equal, as, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I found that um, stat really shocking too when I when I found it, and it was one of the questions I posed to the panel when we did the Women in Insurance event. Um, and I think the key takeaways from all the speakers there basically comes down to training. You need mm. to invest your time mm. into staff from who are coming in at entry roles and see it as a kind of you're invested into this young person on a long-term basis okay they might leave it might be a stepping stone but if you're if you view them as they are here for the long run we are going to invest all of our time we're going to mentor them we're going to develop them we're going to train them then those retention levels Mm -hmm. will go up I think you you could say there's there's two parts to it right you've got you can retain people by investing your time but also are people being given the opportunities to get to that position in the first place? Mm. You know, even if it's unconsciously, is is that man in the room getting the job because he's a man or is Mm. he better at the job? Are you purposefully discriminating against women to Mm. not get to those positions? Or is it a problem of, I don't know, you know, internally, do women not see themselves as deserving? Do they not want to go for those roles? Is it a kind of internalised stigma they have for themselves that, you know, they don't want to get to that position because I think... Some women do have those views as well. But I think the best thing that the market can do collectively to, in my opinion, to retain young people is to empower them from the start. And I think empowerment comes in many different ways. Um, You can give them more opportunities if they want to do Mm. that. You give them more ownership of certain tasks. You know, you really incentivize them. It doesn't have to be through pay rises or anything like that. There's loads of ways you can incentivize employees. I think showing that they bring value to that organization Mm um and i think given them the training given them the time that they require to develop and learn the skills don't just okay great we've attracted 66% you know 66% are young people who are in entry roles great but really focus on okay what am i going to do to get them to the next step but yeah. i think that does come from your managers from from mm. your colleagues i think it's time and i think not everybody has the time to invest into people these days I think and that's that's across the board that's not just in this market in particular Mm. but I think yeah I think and even for young people themselves you know find mentors elsewhere that you can speak to to really see I you know I want to be in that position in five years time you know Mm. how do I get there I think that's
0: a that's a really interesting point and I think I, I always, uh, I like your kind of two ways of, of where we could be going wrong, but the investment in development is so key. And it's, you're not the first person actually to say it. That's just recent, not just recent, because you've been around for a bit, but, you know, is in the first few years of being in the insurance industry. Like she's, their answer is invest in developing us. And I've heard companies and I've had conversations uh with HR learning and development teams and there are certain things they invest but there's certain things that they refrain from because exactly to your point they may not stay there for a long time young people are now known to kind of move on relatively quickly onto the next job that Mm. kind of pays better or or gives a bit more accountability which I completely understand I was one of those young people that used to do that um but then once I joined a company you know like lloyds that folks that really invested mm-hmm. in me and really you know gave me opportunities to develop i was i was staying because i could see the benefit of being around so it's interesting you raised that because that is something that i'm hearing more and more from people that are you know first few years
1: in the industry i think that was what was really impactful for me you mm-hmm. know my my company invested time into me yeah, and I think they empowered me and gave me opportunities, yeah. you know, they valued the work I did and that was shown and I think that's why I came mm. back. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I, I really do enjoy working in this industry.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think so and I think that applies as well to that gap of retention of women kind of dropping in that sort of mid-30s um, gap is as well Bear with them through the life cycle, but also keep on investing and keep on supporting. And and it's not only for women, actually, because because you know I think there's a there's a report recently released um, about why women leave insurance industry. And interestingly enough, one of the main reasons is the culture and managers, but actually is the training and opportunities. And a lot of feedback on that report from men is like, well, we all want training. So <clears throat> I think it's a theme across is show me that you value me that's the that's the thing that kind of comes to me as you as you're speaking show me that you value 100 yeah brilliant no I, I think that's a uh, I think that's for quite a few people to reflect on what they are doing with
1: their talent at the moment and also and young and people the, you know they're the new generation they're going to be the next CEOs yeah the next senior managers right we have to keep moving with the time so they bring fresh ideas to a, mm. a market that's generally, like I said before, a bit archaic, you know, invest the time, listen to their views, mm-hmm. empower them and give them those opportunities to grow. And then they'll stay.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really good good way of, of thinking about it as well. So I know you've been in insurance uh, for a period of time. What have you been able to experience in insur- being in the insurance industry that you think you wouldn't have
1: otherwise? I, always, I actually always get asked this um, by my friends and stuff. Oh, do um, you? Yeah, because they, most of my friends work in B2C organizations, right. um, which I, you know, back when I was in uni, always assumed that I probably yeah. was. You know, you think marketing, you think, I don't know, selling some clothes or something, mm. working for a fashion company, I don't know. Um, I never really thought about the whole B2B side of yeah. marketing and, and work in general. <clears> but I think one massive thing that is just why I don't think I would ever work for a B2C organisation, I think it's the networking and it's Mm. the relationship building that you have here. Like none of my friends that work in B2C have as much time to, you know, build their networks and that meet people on a day-to-day basis. I think I really enjoy that relationship building side of of working in this industry. I think, you know, it's so sociable. You know, something new happens every single day. Um, I think in particularly in terms of my job, I really enjoy, you know, that we can do hold events, mm. um, thought leadership pieces. I think marketing for a B2B business is so different from a B2C and I think it, it makes you challenge yourself. It it motivates you and I think you're always working on something that's like super, super exciting. Um, yeah, but I think it's the relationship building and the networking that I wouldn't, in my eyes, been able to experience if I didn't work in this industry and the insurance industry in particular is... The best place to network mm. and the best place to build those connections. Um, work in the city as well, like yeah, <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want
0: to? So I, as well, I call it a bit of a high school here because we, we, literally you leave the your office <clears throat> and you bump into people yeah. you know all the time. Like so it is yeah, it's, it's like going a, back to uni. <laughs> <laughs> it is a campus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that is actually yeah, that's the that's the way it is. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, it is a campus. I think it's got a good community, mm. and I think you wouldn't
1: experience that elsewhere necessarily.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. But even within the industry, you still can get to connect with people Pretty much around the world, isn't it? If you if you wanted to. Well, it's been absolutely lovely speaking to you. I'm glad we got to get a bit of snippets of behind <laughs> how how did you get through the first uh, you know, your role and and making that transition. Really congratulations. And I'm looking forward to attending your future events and as well as seeing how you develop
1: in your career. It's well, been thank you. really lovely having have you here. Thank you for having me. I think I'd say to anyone listening, um, if you are A woman and you are young I think just take the leap and try something new and I think insurance will love you
0: love that (laughs) love that that is a quote that's going out there love it (laughs) thank you so much thank you so much for having me (laughs) thank you for listening to today's episode help me to share these stories with as many people as possible by rating the podcast and sharing episodes on your social media platforms Remember, this is a podcast for you. So your opinion matters to me. If you have any recommendations on comments, please get in touch. Don't forget to follow the podcast on social media at 100 Women and Insurance to find out about the upcoming releases, guest spotlights and top career tips. See you in the next episode.